on this Remembrance Sunday, as we continue to look together at the life of David, it's worth noting that so much of his life was spent in conflict, so that what we looked at last time in chapter 17, his run-in with Goliath was simply a foretaste of what so much of his life would be like, a life lived at war, a life lived in conflict with others, whether that be some of the great enemies of the Israelites, like the Philistines, of whom we've been hearing already, or like what was going on here in this chapter we read today, where David found himself in conflict with the current King Saul, or in the future when David was at war even with members of his own family, most notably his son Absalom. And when you look at David's life, some of these fights, some of these struggles were self-inflicted. There's no doubt about that. The consequences of foolish and sinful actions, and we'll hear more about that in the weeks to come, but also some of these conflicts were through no fault of his own. That's the case today, where David found himself an enemy of someone, whether he liked it or not. And that makes the life of David so relevant for us. Now, not many of us have been to war. Not many of us today will have been in physical fights. Maybe some of you have. I kind of like to hear those stories as to how that happened. But we know that so often there is conflict in our lives. We find ourselves in conflict with neighbors, with colleagues at work. Sometimes we find ourselves being the enemies of strangers, people we have never met, and we wonder what we have done against them. And then when we come closer to home, for some of us, it is the case that we are in conflict with family members, even at times in conflict with people within our church family, people who come here to this church in Connor. And sometimes that is self-inflicted. We find ourselves at war with others because of our own sinful actions. We have wronged someone, or we have said something against someone, or we have said the wrong thing. But at other times, it is through no fault of our own. Someone simply does not like us, and so we are their enemy, whether we like it or not. And so, it's really helpful to consider today David, the enemy, what it is that God's Word tells us about him and his great enemy, Saul. Today, we're continuing to spend time in God's Word, looking together at the life of David, the man of whom the Lord said that he was a man after his own heart. David had a heart for God, if you want to put it like this, he shared the Lord's outlook, and that makes him someone who is really good for us to spend time looking at 
and thinking about here in church. And remember that each time we look at King David, including today, we want to keep an eye on what lay ahead, that our ultimate focus should be on a much greater king who would descend from David, because after all, this is part of a much greater story, the story of the one who God would send to be our ultimate king and savior. So today, expect to hear much about King Jesus. And all the way through this series, we will keep our focus on the King of Kings, Jesus. So, with that in mind, please turn with me again in your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 18, as today we meet David the enemy. You'll have heard that expression, you can choose your friends, but you can't choose your family. Well, to a certain extent, you can choose your friends, but you cannot choose your enemies. And that's the first heading under which I want to look at this passage today, the inevitability of enemies. Because in this passage, David finds himself on the wrong side of the most powerful man in Israel at this time, King Saul. But where does the conflict come from? Where did this conflict between Saul and David begin? Well, to answer that question, we need to go back to where we left off last time in chapter 17 of 1 Samuel. And actually, last time we didn't look at the very end of that chapter. If you do that now, you'll see that Saul wants to find out more about who this David is. And you can just imagine all of the excitement that there would have been about David after taking down Goliath. He would have been the talk of the country. So that by the time we take up the story again, here in chapter 18, we see that David quickly rose up the ranks of the Israelite army. He became a bit of a star. He was a successful soldier. We're told in verse 5 that whatever Saul sent him to do, David did it so successfully that Saul gave him a high rank in the army. And it all sounds so good. But then something changed. And for us to understand what, what changed, it's absolutely crucial that we think about a song that was doing the rounds at this time. We're told in verse 6 that after the Philistines had been defeated, that was a victory that was sparked by David's slaying of Goliath. All of the troops were returning led by King Saul. And the women came out in the countryside, and they met them, and they danced around them, and they were singing songs. But there was one song in particular that stood out. It was a song of celebration, and we hear it in verse 7. And it's so important that we hear this song. It went like this. I'll not try and sing a tune. Saul has slain his thousands, and David his tens of thousands. It was a song that was celebrating both men's achievements, but you can see that there is an imbalance. If I can describe it like this, it would be like Man City fans singing on the terraces, Grealish scores us goals, but Big Harland scores us dozens of goals. 
or if I can bring it a bit closer to home, it would be like someone saying within my earshot, Philip's an okay preacher, and Richard was an amazing preacher. It was meant as a compliment to Saul, because let's face it, thousands is still good. But this comparison crushed Saul so that his heart became completely consumed with jealousy. And here's the result. Verse 8, we're told that Saul was very angry. This refrain galled him. In other words, it was eating away at his soul, at his very being, so that in verse 9, from that time on, Saul kept a jealous eye on David. David was a marked man. You see, you don't always get to choose your enemies. Sometimes they choose you. They despise you because you do your job well. You're more conscientious than them. Or you're popular or successful. Or they despise you because of what you believe and how you live. And today, as we think about the inevitability of enemies, the fact that you will have them whether you like them or not, what about God's people in Christ? Because after all, we are called to be different. We are called to be like Jesus. And we're called to live at peace with other people as far as possible. So, as Jesus' followers, we should not be in the business of making enemies. But the Lord Jesus repeatedly tells us that we should expect to have enemies. Why? Well, because of Him. Just a couple of examples of the many times in the Gospels when Jesus talks about this reality. He says back in Matthew chapter 10, verse 22, you will be hated by everyone. Why? Because of me. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. And then later, in John chapter 15, verse 18, on the night before he died, Jesus said to the disciples, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. Follower of Jesus, you will become the enemy of others because you belong to Him. So, if enemies are inevitable, how do we respond to them? Well, more about that in just a moment. But first of all, let's look at this next heading under which we're looking at this chapter, the danger of jealousy. And as you look at those words, as you hear those words, you're probably thinking that I mean the danger that Saul's jealousy was to David. And there was a clear and present danger. It's summed up in verses 10 and 11, and this incident in the royal court. If you look at those words again, we're told that David was there in Saul's presence, playing the harp, and Saul had a spear in his hand, and he hurled it, saying to himself, I'll pin David to the wall, but David eluded him twice. But that's not actually the danger that I'm talking about. We need, need to consider the danger 
that Saul's jealousy was to himself, what it does to him, and what jealousy can do to you. In this chapter, we get to see the real danger of jealousy, where it can lead us, so that in the case of Saul, it led to him trying to take the life of another person. And what's it all about? Well, there's a really interesting word that is used in relation to Saul in this chapter. Because who would you expect to be afraid in this chapter? Most of us would answer David. After all, he's the guy that's getting spears chucked at him. And yet, two times in this passage, if you look at it, in verses 12 and 15, we're told that Saul was afraid of David. Well, look at verse 12. We're told Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with David, but had left Saul. Now, that's a tragic verse. We get to see that Saul's jealousy is simply a symptom of a much deeper problem. And that problem is that his relationship with the Lord was completely broken. He had moved so far away from the Lord that eventually we're told in this passage that the Lord had left him. He had become an enemy of the living God. His jealousy and his rage simply flag up a much deeper spiritual problem. Being at a distance from God and what a dangerous place to be. We see the extent of this danger when we discover in verse 10 that an evil spirit filled the void. An evil spirit came forcefully upon Saul. Now, I want you to think about your life today, to be really honest in assessing your life as I've had to be, as I've prepared for today you find yourself consumed with jealousy? Are you the kind of person who is full of rage? That if you're being really honest, you're bitter and you're discontented, that you're far too easily offended or annoyed, that you feel that everyone is against you? Well, these could well be symptoms that are flagging up that your heart is not right. They're pointing to a much, much deeper spiritual problem, and that is that you're at a distance from God. So, where do you go? Who do you look to for a cure? Well, finally, we think about the need for a king, and we see all the way through this passage that the Lord's hand was upon David. It's so clear to see. If you look at verses 5 and 14, they both talk about the success that David enjoyed. And what was the secret to his success? Well, it's not a secret. It's very plain to see in verse 14. In everything he did, David had great success because the Lord was with him. And throughout David's life, 
including here in this passage when he was standing in the presence of Saul in the royal court, the Lord preserved him from his enemies. So that later on in that beautiful psalm, that best known of psalms, David was able to write and sing of the Lord in Psalm 23 verse 5, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And we need to be sure that David was saved and he was kept by the Lord for a big reason, so that from his line would come a much, much greater king, Jesus, a different kind of king, a king who said of himself that he came into the world not to be served, but to serve. And we get to see how Jesus suffered at the hands of his enemies. You look to the cross, we were remembering it in that special way last week. It's at that place where we see Jesus despised and rejected. And we also get to see at that place his attitude to his enemies. Remember the words of Jesus in Luke 23, verse 34, speaking of the people who had done this, who had nailed him to the cross and abused him. He said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. So that today, believer in Christ, as we benefit from his sacrifice, we can and we must learn from his example. How do you combat jealousy in your life? How do you stop it from consuming and ultimately destroying you as it does? Well, you cannot do it without God's help and His rescuing grace. You need to trust in and receive a new heart from the one that God sent to be our Savior, Jesus. And have you done that? Because turn to the Lord Jesus while He is near. And remember that when we are saved, that we are brought together, we're saved for a purpose, and we become part of a people who are set apart for, the God, for God. We become part of the church. And as a church, we are called to be different. We're called, we are called to live and to think in a different way. So as we end, how do we combat jealousy and bitterness here in the life of this church? Well, the key thing is to remember that that Savior is your King. The pastor and the writer Alan Wilson said, rivalry will only exist in the kingdom of Christ when people forget who alone is King. Today, are we making our Savior the rightful King of this congregation? Because He must become greater and we must become less. Amen.